Hello and welcome to the United MEC Leading Edge podcast. I'm the United MEC spokesman, Captain James Belton. Today we continue our series called Piloting Your Mind. The topic for this episode is emotional intelligence and holiday stress. Joining us on today's podcast are Sean Handlovich from the Human Factors and Pilot Development Department at the Denver Training Center, SOAR volunteer, San Francisco 737 Captain Hambana, and SOAR committee chairperson, Captain Lim Tatum. How's everybody doing today? Great, thank you. Doing well. Great. As we know, the holidays are approaching and uh, they are stressful. They're stressful enough in a normal year and now we add 2020 to the mix and that stress can be overwhelming. We may be concerned with uh, things like an inability to easily visit family or visiting uh, an elderly family member and having to stay in isolation. Quarantine restrictions in different states can uh, be on our mind and we need to make the best of that situation. Um, the economic job uncertainty that we're all going through is, uh, is very difficult. So you add the holidays in this uh, festive time and concern about school and children and it just piles up. I just, uh, sometimes it's, it's a little too much. Wouldn't you say, Lynn? Yes, Jim. Um, and you know, there's an interesting uh, topic we're all reading about now about the Generation Z children, um, primarily the ages eight through 13, uh, we might see a big uh, increase in, in their stress. This is their first experience with any kind of national traumatic event. And as they are just starting to become aware of their emotions, they may find it hard to cope. You know, they, they're, they're worried about what's their future look like because it's hard for them to look beyond you know, what's right in, right in front of them. Yeah, and uh, you know, just as an aside, this is exactly why we have this SOAR hotline. You know, it's, it, it's a safe place for pilots to call and talk to a peer about, about any of these issues. One of the tools we have for coping is the concept of emotional intelligence, which is a topic that Sean is very familiar with. Sean, can you give us a, a high-level understanding of that uh, emotional intelligence? Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, while there are essentially 12 emotional, 12 elements to emotional intelligence, there are five main com- components. So first we have self-awareness. And this is our ability to identify and actually name an emotion that we're feeling. So recognizing when we're sad that it's sadness, well, recognizing and being able to give it a name. And then there's internal motivation. So internal motivation is what all of our pilots, all of you have done. And that is that you have something that feels really, that has, you have an emotional response to flying, and you, this motivates you to overcome challenges, obstacles, to continue and pursue this. We see kids in, in their athlete, um, their athletics, sorry. We see them, you just have got something that makes you really happy. And so you've got this motivation that drives you. Um, then there's empathy. And empathy is our ability to recognize and understand someone else's feelings. Now, there's a confusion often between uh, the understanding of what empathy is versus sympathy. Sympathy is my ability to relate to you. Um, During these stressful times, we can have sympathy for other people because we're all going through something that's similar. But empathy is for me to look at someone and put myself into their shoes. So economically, I may be having this impact that is relative to my world. But if I look at someone else and I put myself in their shoes economically, 
and I look at it relative from their perspective. Now I feel it and I'm having an emotional experience from their world, from their shoes. And that makes a higher level of emotional connection. Then we have self-regulation. And self-regulation was something I learned, and I think we all learn um, as we're going through that. And that is that I have an emotion, and that emotion causes me to want to lash out. Um, this one makes me think of the button pushers, and somebody pushes your button. Most often, I don't know about all of you, but I have conversations at home that may be the same conversation that I've had before. And here we go, and we know how the conversation might end. Um, they push our buttons. But when you have got the self-regulation to say that even though we're going down this path again, I choose to recognize my standard emotional responses to act this way, but it's not going to benefit the conversation. So I choose to respond differently to not just um, control and manage my own emotion, but also to calm the situation for the other party as well. Um, it makes it far more pr uh, productive. So that's self-regulation. And then the social skills, that's our fifth component. And this is our ability to recognize, to regulate ourselves in this current situation, like our conversation, that includes the empathy part. So now I'm recognizing how my husband may feel right now and why he may feel what he feels and put myself into an emotional place that allows us to connect on that level. So now we're talking about the social interaction we have. What we're talking about here is this higher knowing of yourself. Like I know when I talked about the button pushing, right? I know how I act in these situations, but I also know what my best self, how that being who I am, um, responds to things, frustrations and things like that. But this emotional intelligence, think of it as knowing yourself on a really deep level and having a more deliberate control. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, you may be listening, wondering why is emotional intelligence important, right? And for all the reasons Jen just stated, you know, the worry, the anxiety, and all these other things. What we're really trying to use is emotional intelligence as a healthy means of coping with stress and anxiety. And healthy minds equals healthy pilots equals success for everyone. Ham, in your space of psychology, uh, perhaps can you tell us why it seems that pilots are more susceptible to worry and anxiety? Yeah, you know, simply put, our pilot personalities oftentimes work against us, right? So we're really good at our work. We're really good at being able to look out and see the next 10 to 20 steps. And we're good at controlling our workplace environment. And if we have a difficult flight due to weather or maintenance or whatever the case is, we devise a plan and we follow it and we adjust as necessary. I really doubt anyone is getting into the, into the airplane just kind of hoping that everything will come out successfully on the other side. Yeah, and I see that in the airplane, um, you know, the people we fly with are competent and they do a good job, but uh, what happens when we're out of the airplane? How do we deal with the uncertainty there? Yeah, that's exactly the issue, right? There is no FOM chapter or quick reference checklist with memory items on how to deal with an argument with your significant other, which sometimes is unfortunate because that's really the one that we could probably use a lot. I'd be walking around the uh, house with my iPad open to that FOM section if we had, right. if we had that. <laughs> I think we'd have that memorized. 
So really the question is then, how do we deal with the uncertainty in a healthy way when there's no specific procedures like when we're used to at work? And you know, but biologically, our minds are pre-wired to associate anxiety with fear, right? And this is this fear is where anxieties are basically born. Yeah, I remember we discussed this in the Coping with Change podcast a few weeks ago about the uh, the cave and the saber toothed tiger it comes back from our our the really the dawn of man. Yeah, 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 and you know, there's also the psychological concept called the intolerance of uncertainty theory. And that's where individuals cannot tolerate the knowledge that a bad event might occur, no, no matter how small the chance, right? And so the uncertainty over the possibility of an undesirable outcome leads to excessive worry and, and stress. And people start worrying that they won't be able to find the correct solution to whatever, whatever the problem is. What would be a good example of that? So, you know, it's wintertime out right now. So picture yourself departing Denver in a snowstorm. We know all the de-ice procedures, we have the tools, we know everyone is properly trained. And as you said, Jim, most of all, we have a high degree of confidence that we can successfully complete the de-ice and be on our way. Right, so there's not a lot of uncertainty there because you're trained for it, you're ready. Yeah, exactly right, there's not much at all. Now imagine that we're out of the airplane and the holidays are coming up and there are all these stresses that are starting to pile up, right? COVID, the holidays, the finances, the family issues, the health concerns, the isolation. You know, we do not have a set of procedures for these like we do for de-icing. So there's a lot of uncertainty. And according to this intolerance of uncertainty theory, this uncertainty leads to anxiety and stress. And oftentimes anxiety and stress are caused by, you know, these bad assumptions that we make. And in 1962, there's a noted psychologist, Albert Ellis. Um, he believed that people were guided by irrational beliefs that caused them to act and react in unhealthy ways. He, he called these basic irrational assumptions that people kind of hold on to and which contribute to anxiety. So there, there's 13 of them. And in reading these, I found a few that are applicable to pilots. Right? So I'm going to read three off and you can let me know if this sounds like something that a pilot would say. And, and, and I'm paraphrasing here just a little bit. Okay, so number one. It is awful and catastrophic when things are not the way one would like them to be. Number two, if something may be dangerous, one should be concerned about it and should keep dwelling on the possibility of it happening. Number three, one should be thoroughly competent, adequate, and achieving in all possible aspects if one is to consider oneself worthwhile. Well, I'd have to say about three of those um, remind me of people I've flown with or myself. How about you, Jim? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, when we talked about the de-icing in, in uh, Denver, I, I, I sit there when, I, when we have that type of weather, and I don't worry about the de-icing procedures or whether we're going to get the ice off the wings. It's the, are we going to misconnect later on? Is my trip going to be delayed another day? Am I going to miss the party mm -hmm. uh, at the end of my trip and my wife is going to be be angry with me or my kids are going to be upset or am I going to be upset? So yeah, I could see all three of those things that even seep into my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's does sound something that pilots would say, doesn't it? And it's this irrational idea that we must know how every uncertainty is going to resolve when that's just flat out, not how life works. Right. And, and right now there's just a lot of uncertainty out there. So it doesn't mean that we're all doomed to a life of anxiety just means that we're normal people susceptible to normal life stressors. So when we find ourselves making these irrational assumptions, we interpret these stressful events as uncertain and we feel fear. 
and more fear equals more assumptions equals more anxiety. And there's another noted psychologist, Aaron Beck, who uh, also said that we tend to hold on to some silent maladaptive assumptions like, you know, okay, it's best to assume the worst. And when we do things like that, that also just piles on to the stress and anxiety, which lowers performance. Hey, Him, I've read a lot recently about anxiety and depression. I think if we all Google the COVID studies and what to expect, we'll see that there's an increase in all age groups in both of these. And I think the underlying thing that you've mentioned that I think is important to realize, anxiety is, is living in the future and the fear of what could happen and, and what might happen. We spend a lot of time fearing the outcome, while as depression is just dwelling and living in our past about what happened to me over and over again, stressing about that. So I think all these age groups that uh, are experiencing isolation and industry effects, school closures, that, that's really big. Yeah. What is difficult about all this is in the airplane, as him said, we would never depart a flight using hope as your flight plan. But when we're outside of the airplane and facing life stresses and anxiety, because we don't have a procedure or checklist, we do go to hope as our plan, hoping everything works out, hoping everybody shows up, hoping the turkey doesn't get burnt, hoping that you know, we can manage this. And this, it's conceptually hard. I think it's exhausting. And this is where the emotional intelligence and our resilience resides and helps us out. So in this day and age of uh, breaking news, every time you turn on the TV and, and uh, the surprise event that happens from time to time, how do, we, how do we harness our emotional intelligence to help us out? Yeah, it takes practice and self-awareness. Like I said earlier, it is really knowing yourself at that highest level, knowing your threats and risks. And I know the pilots, you guys talk about that in self-awareness. What are your threats? But specifically, emotional intelligence is about recognizing and being able to discern your own emotions and then those from the emotions of others. We can't regulate our own emotions when we're caught up in what somebody else is feeling and how that impacts us. Nobody can make you mad. Nobody can do these things to you. Those are your emotions. And so therefore you have to separate yourself from others' frustrations and behaviors and, and be in touch with your own. And now there's only one version of me, but I know how I show up for my family is different than how I show up here at work. I wanna be my best in all those situations. Now, I know that you all don't show up with your family the same way that you would uh, greet your in-flight crew, um, but the way you greet anyone is your choice. Being deliberate and recognizing who you are in that environment, knowing myself and how I know my best version to be as a wife when I get home, I'm still me, but my best version of a wife, and then knowing my best version of me as an employee. I apply or reapply these visualizing, and then you're imagining my emotional state as I get to my boss's desk. I'm calm, I'm cool, I'm collected, I'm prepared. I know how I am when I walk in the door with my husband at my best. The stated best is, what is the best version of me in this moment, we talk about being present, we've talked about mindfulness. In this moment, where am I at my best and how do I behave? 
when I'm at my best, what are my choices that I make in, to improve my performance for pilots? Your hygiene, how do you take care of yourself out there? Your diet, your exercise, your sleep habits. You know that if you stay up too late, if you spend too much time at the restaurant, um, if you eat certain things, if you're not getting enough exercise, the impact of that in the flight deck and your next leg. So what is your best self? Um, Sean, there's a lot written about emotional intelligence and leadership roles a, a lot recently. And certainly, whether we're in the left or right seat, we, we are a leader. Mm -hmm. And importantly, we need to understand how emotional intelligence is vital for our leadership success, whether we're talking to each other or we're talking to our flight attendants or even a gate agent. So everything that you mentioned about emotional intelligence, uh, for a successful leader, we need to take it a little bit step, a step further and identify, engage the needs and wants of others, those that we lead, in addition to our own. And I guess if you apply that incorrectly, you can see how that wouldn't go very well on the flight deck. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, picture back that early example I gave of departing Denver in a snowstorm, right? So now imagine that you've reached cruise and clear weather and you're thinking back to how well you did during the de-ice and everything went by the book. It was smooth, it was safe, it went as planned and you're even gonna make your commuter flight home. And so now you're thinking, yeah, we, we crushed this, right? Airline crew one, mother nature zero. Now visualize yourself, your best self in that stressful situation, all the traits that made you successful in that task. So I'm gonna list a few characteristics and Jim and Lynn as esteemed captains at our fine airline. You can tell me if you agree with these qualities, if they make for a successful non-normal event. So notice I'm not talking about the mechanics of de-icing, just the personality traits that help with a successful outcome. All right, so here goes. You feel positive about the outcome. You can solve problems and adapt to changes easily. You can describe your thoughts, ideas, and feelings to others. You are calm and focused, not frantic. You create an environment where you are open to other perspectives, you know, fellow pilots, flight attendants, ground crew, etc. You can admit when you've made a mistake and you can make a correction. You're confident in your abilities. You focus on what is right, not who is right. And finally, you can focus on possibilities and solutions instead of fixating on the problem. Sure, I, I'd agree with that. Um, you go through those things mostly without thinking about that, but, uh, but yeah, I agree. Some of those certainly have um, evolved as we've gone through our careers through training and the environments created with CRM and the threat forward, all that stuff we've training. So we spent a lot of time um, on our professional selves. And I think where him's going is we should probably spend some time training our our personal selves in that aspect. Exactly, Lynn. So now take um, that visualization and feeling of success outside the airplane stressor. And now let's go um, to more of our day-to-day. -day. Let's talk about what we're going through right now, COVID and the holidays. We've got a real change in dynamics at home, right? These are unfamiliar relationships. Some people are now being teachers, mothers, and fathers. There's tension between you and your partner. I know we've got uh, two pilot families and we're used to flying and now we're together a lot more. 
with the holidays approaching, you don't feel ready. There's a change in our normal routine of what we've done in the years past. We have, you know, Lynn, you talked about those kids in the um, in that age group, the Gen Z, but then we've got younger kids that are also concerned about the magic of Christmas. That changes uh, Santa Claus and COVID. And how do we manage these things? Our finances are stretched thin, causing more anxiety. Um, because of COVID, we're worried about our elderly parents and wanting them to stay healthy. Um, your children, that eight to 13, those Gen Zs, you know, they're withdrawing, um, even though there might be part of you that is relieved not to have the drama that they might be bringing, but you know it's not healthy for them to withdraw. So that's adding to this element. Everyone in the house basically is on edge. There's more arguments between family members and, and there's just, just this different emotion from everyone. I mean, even my dogs don't want to be around when we've got that type of emotion. Um, so I think, you know, the, the emotions and energy goes beyond just myself, right? Well, Sean, I'm gonna just, you know, add another shameless plug for our SOAR program. Um, like him mentioned earlier, you're, you're kind of listing whole variety of subject matter our volunteers deal with and sometimes just having a peer to talk to confidentially you know just that could just be all you need is someone else who knows what you do there for you to listen and make a difference it does make a huge difference lynn i'm so grateful for the soar team i just can't say enough about what you guys do there but um but what we can do like with what we're going through right now and i know you guys are sharing this is let's use these visualizations and characteristics of our ideal self as i mentioned earlier my ideal self is a wife as a mother to handle stressors so i know what that looks like lynn jim you know as esteemed pilots you can tell me if you agree that these qualities would make for a successful outcome to stress. Now, again, these are not specific actions, but instead these are emotional personality traits that help diffuse situations, okay? So here we go. Staying positive, being able to solve problems and adapt to change easily, being able to articulate your thoughts and feelings, staying calm, you're open to hearing others' perspectives, being able to admit when you're wrong, sticking to the facts instead of the emotions during disagreements, and then focusing on the possibilities and solutions instead of the problems. I'm having a deja vu. Yeah, <laughs> wholeheartedly agree there i'd like to be yeah. i don't know how esteemed you have to be to uh to agree with that and uh, but uh but yeah i do uh, see that yeah. yeah yeah exactly and now did you notice anything about the list that i read and the list that sean read oh yeah they're nearly identical uh that's uh, emotional intelligence and have a huge influence on all of our relationships sometimes i wonder though why i don't do that stuff at home when i do it at work yeah I, you know, they are exactly the same. And, you know, we do have that ability, but it is this deliberate way of being when we are in certain environments um, that we really are talking about here with emotional intelligence and our ability to be deliberate. Now, notice that the same personal skills, the emotions that you bring to the successful de-icing 
work when you are out of the airplane as well. This personality trait is part of who you are. It's just being deliberate about it. That's why when we identify the best version of ourselves, and then based, these are all based on our previous experiences. That's where we know our best version of ourselves, right? But we have that ability to become better to handle the next event or this present event, even when there's no checklist, procedure, or prior experience. We're using our emotional soft skills to achieve our desires and outcomes. The goal is to react more, the goal is to react in a more controlled and deliberate manner. To out of the airplane as you do in the airplane stressors. So stressors are stressors. You handle them the same way, wherever you okay. are. Okay, Sean, the, the holidays are coming as they do every year. And uh, we know that's a stressful time. So how can we use this emotional intelligence to, to prepare us for this holiday season? Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, remember when we're all new to flying and we got a new maneuver to learn? And one of the best ways to practice is to chair fly, right? Jim, you've done that. Yeah, I sure have. You, know, you sit in that quiet place, close your eyes, and kind of rehearse the maneuver that you're going through. It just seems odd to me that we can do that for the holidays. Yeah, well, uh, how about just imagining that you have this visualization library and that you can develop your visualization skills so that you can easily remember what your ideal self is. You, we all have that ability to think back to things that we had a positive event in our life and um, how we handled it. But instead, going back to this hope and this looking for the negative, we're recounting the mechanical steps and we're recounting um, what went wrong. And we're, we, what we want to do is recount and focus and identifying the emotions and personal qualities that accompany an event like this one that we're in that made it successful before. So like this event that we've been exposed to. You make the story as positive as possible. All this narrative talk in our mind, they're just stories. We get to, to choose how we feel. So it's kind of like an emotional genre. You know, do we feel happy? Do we feel sad? Do we feel grateful? What are we feeling? Ideally, we want to get to the point that using the visualization library, it, while it may always be there, you don't always have to close your eyes. You don't always need a, a time out in order to see yourself there. You can feel yourself there. You can apply these emotions to whatever stressor is going on in the moment to start noticing the ongoing dialogue, as I mentioned, in your daily life. You know that voice that's in your head right now? Um, just to notice the author within it, the narrative of this current situation and the story you're telling yourself. And the story comes from an experience like this one before that you may be comparing yourself to. As Lynn mentioned earlier, this is where anxiety and depression lives in right? Depression comes from our past, those things that we're hanging on to. What happened to me? And when we bring those feelings into this current moment, it's bringing more of that depression, those down feelings, or the story of the unknown for, uh, future, 
It's fearful. It's fear-based. It hasn't even happened yet, but you're living in this place of anxiety. Are we going to have enough money for Christmas? Are we going to be able to do these things? These are stories that haven't even happened yet, and you're creating a place of anxiety. Like our favorite movies, our favorite books, those favorite stories we have, they connect with us on a visceral level, a feeling that we have. They make us happy. They make us laugh. Um, they make us scared. You know, We recognize the emotion. This is where we're learning to recognize the emotion, name the emotion. Now we practice noticing what in this situation is evoking what emotion? What response am I having right now? And is it actual? Is it from the past or is it from this unknown future? Pay attention to the feelings. Get present with the feelings and be deliberate on what serves the best version of you right now. So let's just say, recognizing this genre of emotions, uh, like movies and, and like books, but now we're just in this, this everyday life. I'm watching a nice sunset, and the sunset actually makes me feel calm, right? So that's an emotional story. Having dinner with your partner, you know, that you haven't had an, a night out or you haven't had a night in around the table, right? It makes you feel happy. Watching the news right now might make you feel angry. Letting go of the stories that go with it, you just recognize it's the news and that I'm feeling angry. Thinking about our finances. These are the finances. This is the reality. I'm feeling anxious about what I don't know what's going to happen yet. Thinking about work and the uncertainty there may make you feel stressed. I'm feeling this, this feeling has got me going. What's the feeling? It's stress. Why is it stress? It's work. I'm not at work. My best version of myself is here as a teacher for my kids. Being present. Not being able to see your family due to COVID. It might make you sad, but what do you do about it? I'd like to um, reemphasize your point there, Sean, and mention, you know, our goal is not to eliminate all negative emotions because we really just need to become familiar with, like you mentioned, you know, identify the story and, and what it does to affect you. Um, as an example, I've been taking my blood pressure because when I get stressed, my blood pressure rises like most people. So I bought one of those home hand uh, uh, blood pressure kits and I was just trying different techniques to lower my blood pressure. And so I started doing the visualization of my happy place, which is when I'm in Hawaii sitting on a patio looking at whales jumping. So I started doing that regularly and I'd take my blood pressure and once and then I would visualize myself sitting on the balcony on my timeshare looking out at the ocean and listening to the breeze and smelling the seawater and you know every single time my blood pressure was just drastically different so i think that visualization really does help oh, that's awesome and that is such a great example when something happens that does make you feel anxious angry and stressed or or sad even it is really important to to Look at that, not avoid it, not push it away, not shame yourself, but to look at it and what is triggering it. 
so that the next time you begin to feel, you recognize it again, and that's when we're gonna be deliberate. Like you're doing, Lynn, I'm going to use my visualization library. I'm going to just sit for a few moments and get myself calm. It has that positive impact on your body and probably emotionally when you come out of it, you're not feeling that anymore. That's for you alone, but I think one point to, to remember, and, and this one is hard, is not getting caught up in someone else's negative space. And this is really a deliberate practice of separating yourself, especially right now when somebody is complaining or they're stuck in their negative story, it's easy to be pulled in with them and to find yourself there and you forget, it's so easy, we all do it, we forget about our own best version of ourselves and how we should, could, and can manage this. And this is where the mindfulness practices come in, right? Grounding skills we've talked about and just getting present in the moment to deliberately see yourself as a better version in that, in that situation. The best version of yourself I'm not, would not get caught up in someone else's complaints but would show some empathy towards this individual and to know what's best to help them. Like I was talking about with my husband, not pushing his button, which I know which button to push, but rather rise out of it as my best version, changing the, my emotional response, which is going to ultimately change his emotional response to better outcome and help that individual at the same time. I have another example, I think, for you on the uh, negative space comment. Um, say you're flying with someone, and this has happened to me, somebody who's a friend, and you start talking, and um, they start becoming a little bit more negative and doom and gloom. Say, I just had new grandchildren, and now I'm not going to be able to see them. I can't travel there. The state's restricted. The town's restricted. I can't go see my grandchildren. This is the first year I'll never be with all my kids together in one spot and it goes on and on and on and you're trying to figure out you know how are you going to tell this person you know that you support them some maybe to you you don't have grandchildren so you don't see the significance but you can understand their sadness with empathy well you could encourage them to schedule regular zoom calls and suggest new things i had this happen to me and i suggested that my friend write each grandchildren grandchild a letter now these these are eight months and three month old grandchildren so write them a letter and then this person this little child that grows up to a teenager and a young adult can have this letter 10 20 years down the road to reflect on what's happening what your thoughts are so i think there's always a good way to be empathetic but it does take positive focus and willingness to interact to move forward then I'm going to have to spend some time at your timeshare in uh, Hawaii so I can get that visualization for myself, uh, especially every time I go into my AME for my first class medical. Now, <laughs> now we've uh, we've done um, a previous piloting your mind episode on mindfulness. So, Sean, how would that apply here? How would we use mindfulness? Okay. Yeah, we have. Um, so the mindfulness skills that help improve our emotional intelligence is through that self awareness and regulation the only time you really have self-regulation is in this moment 
Self-regulation doesn't happen in the next, next moment. The next moment is a result of my self-regulation the moment before. So it's learning in mindfulness, we've learned how to be present in this moment, again, without judgment. Being present with what you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, what you're experiencing without judgment. You've all mentioned, you know, being able to be present in the flight deck um, and our ability to see what is really, what are the facts and apply those skills. Mindfulness is just doing this moment without judgment. And the meditation we talked about is one of the skills. It's just one of the skills that we can use to be mindful. But the meditation is where we can practice that tapping into your visualization library. And you can tap into those visceral feelings of your higher self. And you can imagine your higher self in the next um, conversation you have with your spouse, your grandchildren, and how you can handle situations. And that's where, you know, using these mindfulness skills really do help. Yeah, and you know, I'll mention briefly here that meditation is not clearing your mind of all thoughts because that's a misconception that's also impossible to do. You know, our, our minds will wander and try to solve problems because that's what our minds do. You know, as Sean mentioned, meditation is simply sitting quietly and focusing on your breathing. And then when thoughts come into your mind, just observe them, let them go, and then return to your breathing. So there's, there's a ton of different ways to do it. There really isn't one that's the best. It, it really is whatever method works for you. Exactly. So, you know, you may recall from one of our earlier episodes, I think it may have been like the second episode with Rob Strickland, where we talked about how we use the, uh, a modified box breathing technique from the military. Um, we use it in our training here at uh, the training center for our pilots as a grounding tool uh, to help them get present in the moment, letting go of their fear and anxiety of the training event that's to come or to keep reminiscing about the mistake they may have made. Uh, the breathing technique of that box breathing is, again, just imagining a, the, a box, uh, four sides, and as you inhale, um, you're inhaling for a slow count of four, and then you hold that count, not grasping for breath, but you're just holding that before you exhale for a slow count of four, and then we hold that exhale mindfully for a count of four. Um, this is what promotes that mind and then body connection by counting and controlling the body. Um, but there are so many other ways to promote mindfulness. You know, taking responsibilities for your feelings in that moment owning that for what it is, not making yourself wrong, not making anybody else wrong, letting go of all the blame. Learn to see yourself objectively without judgment. Just this is what it is, and I'm going to do it differently in the next moment. I'm going to change. Create the intentional feelings that you really are going to look at someone else and intentionally say, I recognize he or she may be feeling anxious, sad, um, and help them with empathy to manage their stress level. Like you said, Lynn, you know, earlier with your friend who's got grandkids, you connected uh, empathetically to provide a, a uh, softening for her emotion. Another effective um, task 
to help manage stress in 2020 is creating habits and rituals that will actually help reduce your stress and anxiety. So let me give you a few examples. Um, if you can't find your keys, you can't find your shoes, this is gonna create a stress for you um, that's undue if you put your keys in the same place every time, if your shoes are in the same place. It doesn't have to be um, this, the place that everybody else is gonna use. It could be under the bed or it could be at the door, but you know that's where your shoes are. You know where your keys are. Um, putting things away when you're done with them. It seems like it's so simple when you say it, but when we're in a hurry, um, we don't take the time to do these things and that impacts us later. It's being present, being mindful in the moment. Tidying up before you go to bed. This is really significant, not just being present in the moment um, before you go to bed and getting your chores done, but nobody wants to wake up tomorrow looking at yesterday's dirt. Start fresh and um, create these habits, scheduling chores. Scheduling chores the same way you would schedule your work trips. And then cleaning up. It's underrated as a therapeutic method, actually, and how it makes you feel calmer. And calmer when it's done, but in control in this present mindful moment. Yes, I agree. And make your bed every day. Mm -hmm. So some time ago, I, I read an excerpt from a book by now-retired four-star Navy Admiral William McRaven, and he wrote this great book called Make Your Bed. Make your bed the little things that can change your life and maybe the world. And if you remember, McRaven was the guy who oversaw the Bin Laden raid back in 2011. So he writes that the benefit of making your bed is that it brings a sense of discipline to your day, right? You roll out of bed in the morning, or if you're like my 17-year-old son, in the afternoon sometimes. And you take a minute to make the bed. And really, the genius is in its simplicity. So immediately after you get up, you're starting the day with a small victory that can set the tone for the rest of your day. So as soon as I read this, I started making my bed every day. And I even went a step further. I make the bed in the hotel when I'm on a layover. So I'm sure the hotel staff probably have a good laugh at my, my attempt at making the bed. I need to start doing that. Make make the bed for them. My wife always says, I feel sorry for the maid in your room. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. But, you know, um, planning. Planning is another effective strategy of coping. Um, for pilots, you plan your trips. You plan them so uh, down to the minute, giving yourself time to do what you have to do. But planning our, our life, we're talking about being the same at home to manage stressors. You guys do all these great things to manage your stressors, to be successful at work. Do these same things to manage our stressors at home. You know, listing, these are other emotional things we can do. How about listing one to three things you appreciate about the things you have to do? Uh, let's be honest. While you guys all may think you have the best jobs in the world, um, not every day do you want to do that job, but you still do it anyways, because on the other side of going to work is the paycheck. So there's something that you get back from it. On top of that, you could think of maybe three other things that really do serve you in fulfilling the task of going to work. Therefore, why not do that at home? Think of three things you can appreciate by having each task done. What is the result of having that task complete? 
that you don't have to do the dishes when you get home, that you don't have to clean that up or put that towel away when you wake up. Bringing your kids into this is really, it's, it's fun for them to compete against you. Who can make their bed faster? Who can make their bed more often this week? You know, um, I think it was you, Lynn, who had shared with me at one point, you guys had a, a sock matching uh, race of who could match their socks. They, they love getting into this, but it's a structure and a process that you have to create deliberately and intentionally with a positive outcome. You know, getting into a habit of discarding and recycling items that you haven't used in the last 12 months. We just recently put up our Christmas stuff and there's things in there that I have not used even last year. So I can donate those things. It reduces the clutter that next year, I'm not gonna have six boxes to bring out of the basement. And when I put my uh, Christmas stuff away this year, I'm not gonna have as much Christmas stuff to put away either. So if the holidays are causing stress, and that's one of the intents of, uh, of this podcast, we wanna give you a few specific coping tips. Volunteer. Now, our SOAR volunteers get a lot of pleasure out of helping other people. It just feels good to help someone. And so you could help someone too. Certainly the ones we all know about, you could donate at uh, local charities, food banks, animal shelters. Um, they always need help there and, and donations. If you can't donate the time, there's plenty of um, money options. But here's one that I've uh, recently become aware of as we've been helping my mother-in-law. The elderly, they need a lot of help because they can't go places. So you could, and they don't have smartphones to deliver DoorDash. So you could set up some connections to help deliver goods to the elderly or help shuttle them to their appointments in the confidence of, you know, uh, cleanliness and COVID. Decorating your home and your tree, get your kids involved because, you know, the older kids, they seem to, to not want to do that anymore but if you force them they start having fun and they, they get into the spirit and start helping help yourself kind of attitude so doing something positive for someone else is therapeutic um, try calling distant family members that you don't regularly talk to just call them and check up on them and see how they're doing and call them back a week two weeks later that connection can be very powerful to everyone but most importantly, don't overwhelm yourself. You know, don't, don't list 100 things you think you should do and then be disappointed if you don't get them done. We don't want the solution to stress to become what stresses us the most. Certainly giving of your time, talent, or treasure would be familiar with uh, a lot of our, our folks out there. Now, we began this podcast mentioning the stress and uncertainty being experienced by all of us here at United and uh, certainly throughout our society. I found this discussion to be fascinating and helpful, and I expect our listeners will as well. For those of you listening, thank you for tuning into the United MEC Leading Edge podcast, Piloting Your Mind series. To our guests, Sean, Hem, and Lynn, we greatly appreciate your time and talent, and we thank you. On behalf of the United MEC and all of our ALPA volunteers, fly safe and stay healthy. I'm Captain James Belton. <laughs>